Hey, everybody. It's Drew and Christopher. Welcome to this episode of So Many Damn Books. It's largely a regular episode, but um, we we wanted to start the show with a acknowledgement of what's going on in the world. Um, we think of this show and of reading as a place of, of respite and comfort, but also books are where we can go to learn more about the world and ourselves. And uh, yet we're in solidarity with the protests going on around the country. And if you, uh, like so many of us, are wondering what you can do, uh, there are just a, a thousand resources out there. Um, but if you're looking for anything in particular, you can look for your local community bail fund. You mm -hmm. can donate to the Black Visions Collective to reclaim the block, uh, to the bail project. You can reach at the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which is where a lot of folks have been donating recently. Um, they are they, overwhelmed with donations and have a ton of resources that they are now asking people to direct their funds to on their website. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so uh, we'll have a list of some places that we found on this uh, show episode uh, website page. And we just hope that everybody uh, is safe and also that you can do what you can yeah but we do have a regular show and yes. that's coming up next and there will and also um i was pretty silly with my recommendations but i think you recommended some really good um resources to you know find that place of not comfort but maybe discomfort yeah remember and that stories stories are one way that we can change the world and change people's minds Totally. Here we are. Hello and welcome. You start the show with here we are all the time. I feel like if I, if I was a better archivist, I would go through <laughs> Do a clip show of just every single time you've said, here we are. Is that only because uh, you are not recording or not keeping track of all of the should we start the show? Should we do this thing we do that is a podcast? I'm pretty no. I, I think that that would be my you know concurrent supercut. Yeah, would just, it would. <laughs> it would just be those two going off each other. Should we start the show? Is this a <laughs> podcast? <laughs> yeah. Uh, here we are. So many. So many. So many. Damn books. Oh, well, it's good to see you. I'm glad I saw you a little bit earlier. Although it was so nice. Masked up. Indeed. Now I can oh. see your your big bushy beard. <laughs> I look like a look like a sea captain. <laughs> returned returning back, I think. It's time to have a beard. The yeah, the quarantine, quarantine beard. beard is like a I I hate every meme or <laughs> um like I don't know. It all sounds to me like mean girls, like trying to make fetch happen. It's just like, no, no, there's no cool part of this <laughs> pandemic, you guys. Let's yeah. not name, you know, things. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I feel that too. We're trying to do a more normal episode of the show now, this yes. time. Yes, we even, to that end, that's why we met up earlier. Yes. To test out facilitating that. Yeah, because uh, you have the drink. I'm calling it the Summer House. So that's why you stopped by all masked up. 
Cool, um, cool. We we passed this drink off to you. Um, it came in a jar with a the Ewan Kofer book, I think. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's a fun cocktail. I've been messing around with all sorts of um concoctions in this time. Um, and so I made some salted lime cordial, which is really just salt, sugar, like a regular simple syrup, but you put a lot of salt in as well. Mm. You only need like the tiniest amount of it. Um, it, there's only a teaspoon in the cocktail. Uh, but so it's, it's two ounces of silver rum, a teaspoon of salted lime cordial, uh, half an ounce of seren, which is this, um, Campari adjacent liqueur. Um, and then there's three quarters of an ounce of watermelon jelly syrup. Um, I've been really into jelly and jam uh, daiquiris. Oh. Where you just take, you know, um, your alcohol, some lime or lemon juice, and some um, jam, and you shake those up. Uh, but watermelon jelly is more pectin than watermelon. So it just all settled to the bottom of the glass. It did not look good. So I melted it into simple syrup. Oh. Um, and then it, there's also lime juice and you just shake that and put it over crushed ice. It really does taste like a uh, watermelon jelly rancher. Mm. But like adult, yeah, like you could almost have this in a Capri Sun. You know those? Yeah. <laughs> I've you been would... seeing those alcoholic um, oh, yeah. pouches. The pouches. Yeah, feels like uh, it. It feels like I'm seeing it a lot in like Astoria, sort of North Brooklyn. That like all of my yeah. friends who were there, all of those restaurants. Like that's not. I don't know. There are no restaurants in Park Slope that have pouches. They're no. selling two hundred dollar bottles of wine out their window, <laughs> or uh, or very gorgeously. Um, you know, individual pours of mm -hmm. fantastic cocktails. Leanda Brooklyn is doing some really beautiful drinks. Um, Sweet Polly. Yeah. Uh, King Tai is keeping it real. They do their cocktails and straight up like restaurant pint jars. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so, so I'm just, I guess I'm just joining in um, the, the jarred cocktail revolution. I love it. It's, I think we're, at a point now where we can start to see hopefully some of the new ways of being that are genuinely going to have come out of this time. And I think one of them is the slight New Orleansification of New York City. Yeah, I think that you're right. And I think that um, I'm wrong about before when I was saying don't make fetch happen. Uh, <laughs> as far as like, I want one thing to happen and that's to go cocktails. That's fine. Yep. If we're going to take one thing out of this, it can be that. Yeah. I mean, just imagine a few years from now, to-go cocktails, legal weed. <laughs> Everybody's going to be just very relaxed. Oh, yeah. That'll be it. That'll be what finally relaxes us. So the, so I called it The Summer House because of the book that we're, we read. Um, oh, Yes. But I'm not. We're not going to talk about the book yet because. Oh yeah, people don't even know what this episode is unless they've looked at the episode notes or the episode title, which is kind of exciting. I can't. Yeah, you don't know what book we're going to talk about <laughs> unless you've done any of the regular research that you usually do. Um, but yes, but yeah. what'd you buy first? What do, what do, what do buy? 
What'd you buy? Yeah, you go first or whatever. Okay, I have uh, one that got sent to me because I wanna. I've I've been getting a fair number of digital copies of things recently. I have made some cautious peace with my secondhand Kindle, mm-hmm. and part of it is you know to be able to read more. I talked about this a little bit two weeks ago, um, and part of it is because like uh, okay. It's not so bad. And so quite wonderfully, the folks at Knopf sent me a digital galley of Jasper Ford's new book, The Ooh. Constant Rabbit. He's one of my absolute favorite authors. Uh, this is one of those things where it's like, I'll read it in any varietal I can get it. Um, it sounds like a sort of watership downy, like rabbits are sentient, but they like rabbits move into a neighborhood and the neighborhood goes downhill. Oh, it sounds like George Orwell, Watership Day, like a whole, that sort of thing. But I assume there will be footnotes and it'll be hilarious. Um, That sounds fun. The other book, I'm enjoying getting to reach out to publishers directly when you can. We've talked a lot about like, go to bookshop.org or IndieBound or Book Depository if you're going to order books online or go to your local indie bookshop. Um, But one thing we haven't talked about is that a lot of these wonderful indie pubs have their own storefronts totally. uh, and so from the dorothy project i got sabrina aura marks wild milk mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um which is a great cut co- it's short stories uh it's fun because i'm gonna get to read them for work and for another reason wink wink nudge nudge mm-hmm. um say no more say no more but it was it felt really cool to like go to their website and order it directly from them yeah that's cool how about you? So I've been just uh, going through like the stuff that has been sent to us and I found this gem. Um, it's, uh, it's The Lightness by Emily Temple. Oh, hell yeah. Um, which it's getting a lot of hype. Um, I will always think thank Emily Temple because she put the secret history on enough lists of hers when she was writing for, I think, Flavor Wire um, the, uh, that I finally read it. It's oh wow absolute favorite books and she was directly involved in making me read it um and so this actually feel, apparently it's like on top of a mountain there's a levitation school sweet um or something so we'll see what the lightness is all about it comes out at the end of june but as we say more and more on this show like pre-ordering is a really big deal now's the time um, it's really really helpful to authors to pre-order their books um I also picked up, uh, uh, also got sent um, E. Lockhart's new novel again, Ooh, cool. again, which I think is either her, um, like, uh, her Groundhog Day, oh. or it might be her every day. You know, David Levithan did that, uh, uh-huh. where, he, where the guy wakes up and every day he's in a new, different consciousness and body. It's very general um, pitch on the blurb on the okay. inside flap copy. So I'm excited to see what that's all about. And then because apparently I can I can only read um, young adult stuff right now or, or even <laughs> middle reader, I also have um, the list of things that will not change by Rebecca S- uh, Stead. Cool. And um, I'm really excited about that. It's um, about two dads that are getting married that already have 10-year-old daughters. You know, becoming sisters is a different thing entirely and i love her she wrote wrote um 
the Newbery Medal Award winner, When You Reach Me, which is one of the absolute best books written in the last 20 years. Yeah, um, you've talked about that book a bunch. Yeah, I love it. So that's what I what I have, what I bought, even cool. though these were all sent. <laughs> you know, I mean, we do what we can. As longtime listeners of the show will know, we do a bet every year at the end of the tournament of books. Uh, this is is this the fourth year we've done this particular bit? Mm-hmm. Wow, it is. Time flies. Uh huh. Um, but whoever accurately predicts the winner gets to choose an author who we'll do a backlist episode for. Right. Um, it's how we did. Um... Lonesome Dove for Larry McMurtry mm-hmm. and um, uh, Jonathan Lethem book. Oh yeah, we did Motherless Brooklyn and we did um, uh, Donna Tart, the little friend, the little yeah. friend. I was going to be like the secret friend. The little secret friend Goldfinch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so this year, in keeping with the fact that this fall we'll see the Super Rooster Tournament of the 16 uh, winning tournament of books, books going up against one another. I've been meaning to reread one of these books in particular, and it's an author who I've come to appreciate a lot in recent years who I didn't initially, Allie Smith. Oh yeah. So we're doing the accidental. Um, You have a really cool cover one. Penguin inks from, I don't know, years ago, the UK, Penguin in the UK did a run where there were like three or four different cool design things where they were like, we're going to do six that are in this design. I think I have the Melissa Banks one, A Girl's Guide to Hunting and Fishing. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, so the accidental, I mean, so this won, right? Yes. Yes, it did. This was, this the, was the second, second year of the winner. Of the of the tournament of books, and it was somewhat of an upset. Oh, this I think was also the coin flip year, right? I I don't remember. I uh, think this this book might have advanced thanks to the coin flip. I'm gonna go to the archive real quick. Yeah, going back to the 2006 tournament of books. Not only was it an upset winner in the final, but in classic tournament lore, this was the judgment. Uh, this book won in the judgment that Dale Peck did. The infamous, I won't choose either of these books, flip a coin, I hate this whole exercise, everything about this is terrible. Oh, it was wow. the accidental versus Ian McEwen's Saturday, which is like, we've talked a little bit about how what? for the Super Rooster, um, the the two books that get to the final are going to go up against their their... Um, the book that they defeated, like the zombie is going to be the book that they defeated, which Mm -hmm. adds a whole cool alternate history thing. But in some ways, this is an even weirder alternate history that there was a 50-50 shot in a way that there is never in in such a subjective tournament that Saturday could have won, totally changing the course of tournament history. Um, I think it's really, really, really cool that... um this that the accidental beat out no country for old men um i agree with that (laughs) (laughs) with with that judgment um maude newton did that that's really really cool um 
because there are such different novels and I so appreciate what Ali Smith is doing. And of course, Cormac McCarthy, that's the height of his powers, but this, I'm, I'm fascinated by this, this book. It's, it's um, just, to, if you don't know the accidental, it's a, it's a book about a family sort of at, at odds um, mm-hmm. at loose ends at a, in a summer house. Um, you've got a really intelligent children and, and, every, and you've got some dissolute parents and this woman comes in and changes all their lives. Um, yeah. And you, you start with Astrid and I thought that we were going to start with Astrid and she was going to be our voice but it turns out you get everybody's voice. Everybody gets mm-hmm. a key viewpoint and her ability to juggle those four voices and make them feel substantially different from each other while still keeping her sort of stream of consciousness um, conceit going. Oh my God. I mean, it's just this crazy high wire act. Yeah. It's... It was wild to, so I reread this book almost to the day uh, from when I first read it eight years ago. Okay. And I I read it the first time because it had won the tournament and I was trying to read all of the winners. Uh, and in 2012, I fucking hated this book. <laughs> like, just yeah, you, loathed it. You used to have a, um, a book review website, Raging Biblioholism, and... Mm-hmm. And it's a fantastic, um, you know, it's Drew trapped in amber. Uh, and that review is so funny. Uh, oh, yeah. I just, I had no you were, patience. You're furious with it. I had no patience for this book. And I was like, fuck this, like, trying to do all of these cool meta things. It's not a, like, I think I said something about, like, lipstick on a pig oh no yeah it was just how i was just like it's all flash no substance and i swore off ever reading another ally smith book was how much i hated this and then 2020 drew has something to say (laughs) seriously i took a chance i guess three years ago now to read summer the first of her seasonal quartet right the project that she's working on right now and I I mean summer the fourth book hasn't come out yet it's coming out this summer but Imagine I that. I just like I think that that quartet is one of the most amazing achievements of the 21st century in literature mm. and so I I was like okay at some point I'm going to need to go back and reread this book and what a what an immature little shithead I was <laughs> um it's funny I I um, I really have admired this. It reminded me of um, Patrick Melrose novels in a way. Um, oh, yeah. In that it's, you're seeing events and you'll see them from a bunch of different perspectives, which is starting to be like one of my absolute favorite things in literature is to that see- That Rashomon style. Yeah, see something and then see someone else's perspective on that same scene. There's this um, moment early on which where Amber is sort of almost embodying some sort of like manic pixie dream girl trope of mm-hmm. um, throwing Astrid's very expensive video camera off a bridge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and then like there's this dinner where that information comes out. And the way that 
Astrid sees that dinner is is one way, and the way that Magnus seems sees that dinner dinner is another way. And I just I don't know I I was I loved it so so much. Yeah, um, or the the ways in which all four of the family members are quite clearly attracted sometimes physically and sexually, but just in general, there's like a magnetic attraction to this strange woman who has come into their midst and sort of seeing the ways that they are all clocking each other and being like, Oh, like dad gross. Yeah. As they're also like, it's wild. The book has this great farce quality to it too, because like, there's a lot of like, didn't you invite, I thought you invited her. Like, how is she at this dinner and like taking over? Yeah, it's my Um, favorite joke from the Adams Family musical on Broadway. When (laughs) Morticia and Gomez turn to each other and um, Morticia's like, your grandmother did this. And Gomez goes, I thought she was your grandmother. (laughs) Um, That joke will never not be funny. The like, how did this person get here and inveigle their way into our midst? And they did it, and she did it so perfectly. And this Amber is just completely like, I thought she was going to be fake. I thought, I kind of thought she might be a will o' the wisp type of person, um, until everybody really did encounter her, um, especially because you first see her with Astrid. Mm-hmm. I just thought maybe maybe Astrid needs her. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, I was expecting. I guess I don't know a Fight Club. because i thought like oh is she too perfect like she's so helpful to everybody and then i don't know i mean if this is this i'm gonna not spoil because it's all like the texture of the book but she starts sleeping with somebody Mm -hmm. um and it shows that she's not perfect in any way and yes and instead she's just skirting england's consent laws (laughs) And it's just, oh, it's everything that she does then is cast in this very strange light. Mm-hmm. What what did you think of that reveal? I, similarly to how I felt reading um, The Savage Detectives. Okay. There's, there are uncomfortable things about sex in both of these books and yet the author makes it like genuinely very hot okay and there's a moment where you're like oh like oh this is uh uh-huh and also the uh something this is weird yeah it's um something that lolita never did when i read it. i'm always like this book is uh this book is pretty dry or at least like it's all uncomfortable Mm -hmm. whereas these books make questionable sex you're like oh sure it's a hot summer Mm -hmm. in norfolk why not (laughs) you're watching too much of that normal people uh um soft core (laughs) i was thinking i just read uh the glass hotel by Uh emily st john mandel um which is you know the, it doesn't really have much to do with this, except there's this character who also has a video camera that's filming uh, five-minute stretches, and she, and Astrid is uh, doing, you know, every 
dawn or something oh, yeah, every, every morning. T- yeah, she's turning her camera on when she wakes up to catch the sunrise. And I just was started to think about something that we've talked about before with um with why not put an artist that you made up or some art project that you mm-hmm. maybe always wanted to do. And I think it's funny <laughs> that there are two authors that are like, man, I know what I'd do with a video camera if I had one. It's just like we all have, <laughs> we all have this. Mm-hmm. It's the book is very rooted in its time. Honestly, it's rooted in an even earlier time. The book came out, I think, in, in 2006. But it that is, idea. But I want to cut you off because yeah. it is, but it really isn't. Like I was, I was thinking about how it feels like pandemic times because they're so cut off from the world and they oh, rarely go anywhere. And it's just the four of them with this fifth interloper. I was, I was thinking like, that's interesting. It, it would, it would take, you know, the work of a morning to make this just COVID-19 um, related. I guess I'm, huh. I was thinking about it more in terms of the way that like the proliferation of cell phones and the widespread access to the internet has ruined thriller plots. Cause there is something thrillery about this idea of it's Tom Ripley. Somebody has come into your home and you don't know who they are. I don't know, but Tom Ripley, I mean, the thing that simmers below that surface is, you know, he's bad and he's going to tr- like something bad is going to happen. Right. Amber, it's like, what is she up to? Is, is she nefarious? Is the whole question. Right. Um, well, and, and what does it mean to be nefarious also? Because you could look at all of the things that she does as nefarious, or you could look at them as this crucible for this family that all of them are going to come out as better people than they were going in. Knowing how it ends, because mm-hmm. now that you've read this twice, like how did it read? I was at a different kind of piece with the ending. The first time I read it, having gone back and looked at my review from 2012, the first time I read it, I thought that, and this is not, this is, there's no way you could conceivably think of this. So I don't feel like this is any kind of spoiler to like, I thought that Amber killed all of them. <laughs> what? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I was, I genuinely was like, what? fucking book did i read back then that i thought that you could ever that was the (laughs) i don't know if i was like trying to assume that sort of the act three twist implied that they were all like in purgatory or something like ghosts in an empty house okay i can get there but but you 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 took a monumental leap my friend i mean (laughs) um because that's not even the ending that's like a whole section of the book but then I liked the ending even as I felt it to be the weakest link. Mm. The The ending makes a decision that I this time reading it and having A, more maturity, but B, a little bit of a remembrance of what was going to happen. I was like, oh, okay. I still don't know if I agree with this turn of events, but I, I saw what was happening better this time. Yeah, I mean, I always... I have this question um, often when I'm reading, and it may just be the the behind the scenes book brain that I have sometimes. But I wonder, like, what is gained by not making this one detail clear? Mm. What what are you, what are you hoping is is then making this book? And I don't know the answer to that for this, but. Mm-hmm. 
it still has stuck in my mind and and it just it's funny i wonder I was now that I'm thinking about it in the sense of it, you know, up in the literary blood sport, how it's going to be taken because it's yeah. so it is this breath of fresh air. It doesn't feel like anything that's really coming out now. Yeah, it does feel of its era um, as far as pub pub date. So I think it's a breath of fresh air. I don't I and because like I think the book that's like this now is like twice as long. And I think that it's, it's brevity is better. Yeah. Cause I'll often like there's, this book is funny, like jokes hit, you know, like th- she really pulls at her emotional punches and, and moments can really hit. Yeah. So I think it has a, I think it has like a really, really good chance of going pretty far. I think so. And I mean, I think that also there may be people who have, because from what I understand, Ali Smith was a more divisive author earlier in her career. And as the field has caught up with her, only since then has she been more canonized and more widely accepted. And so I do wonder if there will be a lot of people who are more primed for this kind of book mm-hmm. by what they've read more recently mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, in 2006, it might have been a little more surprising that this book won and that it beat the books that it did. But now it's like, oh, sure, we un- we understand this book through the 14 years of hindsight, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that I think that it's going to have that weight of of 14 years of being able to be considered um, and and her whole career afterwards, I feel like it's it's so strange. Like it, it'd be like um, I don't know. It'd be like suddenly for some reason, you know, Royal Tenenbaums is is up for an award, even though he's like six movies beyond that. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, very much so. The Costa Book Awards, the Whitbread Awards, this one, um, the year that it came out. And I'm starting to think I should just read like all of these books. Like there's so many good, weird, you know, Curious Incident at the Dog in the Nighttime won mm-hmm. that award. Brooklyn by Colm Toybin won that award. Um, Normal People won that award. There are so many of these awards. The Women's Prize, a lot of them are UK based, uh, which I guess says something more about their appreciation for broader forms of literary culture i don't know but the idea that there are all of these awards that we don't pay as much attention to the goldsmith's prize mm-hmm. um and when you go back and and i guess for a lot of people the tournament is probably one of those yeah yeah you know, it's not the national book award it's not the booker but i do feel like it's gotten to the point where you could you would put tournament a book winner did I tell you when I got a galley of Samantha Schweblin's new book, Little Eyes, mm-hmm. from Riverhead? And of course, it's from Riverhead. Like, you know, they're pretty hip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Are they paying you? <laughs> I, I wish. Um, it's like Samantha Schweblin's first book translated into English, Fever Dream, won all of these. It was like, it won the Booker International Prize. It won this. It won this. It won. And the coveted morning news tournament of books rooster. And I took a oh, picture wow. of the uh, publicity letter and I immediately sent it to Andrew and Rosecrans. And I was like, you guys, you're done. That's it. You don't need to do it. You made it. Yeah. 
Yeah. That it felt pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, they did it. That's so cool. I mean, that ultimately that is my goal for our show. Eventually, I would like our praise to grace some books cover. Hell yeah. Um, I, I mean, if they're using blurbs from Margaret Margaret Atwood via Twitter, Twitter. <laughs> yeah, then I feel like it's not that far off. I mean, honestly, honestly, publicists, if you're listening to this, please reach out to us for quotes. <laughs> we'll give you some quotes. We read a lot. <laughs> We're dripping with quotes. <laughs> that this this deserved to win i'm glad it won um i was glad to reread it thanks for for running down this particular road with me yeah i'm so glad that you you um i I think i only have like two more holes in my uh tournament of books super rooster reading Ooh. um yeah but let's talk about other things we recommend Oh, yes. Why don't you start? Okay. First thing I'm going to recommend is a snack subscription. Um, just any. <laughs> I, I I kind of went crazy and got a couple. Um, I, I got Munch Pack and Universal Yums. I've uh, seen Universal Yums pushed to me on Twitter or on Instagram because they have a UK snack pack. Yeah. It, that's, well, every, every um, box from... Universal Yums is actually celebrates a country. Oh. And Munchpack is more just like, here's some crazy stuff from all over everywhere. And they give a little bit of a history. Um, but Universal Yums is regional. All right. And it's super fun. I love to eat weirdo snacks. It's something that I really enjoy. <laughs> I have that Instagram brand new flavor uh-huh. um, that people should go follow. I update it randomly. Um, <laughs> There's a bunch of Japanese ones. I just think if you you should you should go and get one. It's uh it's fun to get something in the mail and not have to go to a random store to get some crazy snacks in your life. Nice. Um, let's see. I'm also gonna recommend the peanuts collection. The every peanuts. I've been um I have the first four. Nice. And it's been fantastic to be reading and revisiting some of these jokes. Everybody says how poignant um, Peanuts is, and it really is really strangely sad and melancholy, and I really, really love it. My final recommendation is to get a dog. I love our dog. Yay! And, and you know, if you have the means, you know, it's all of this time that we have to be at home suddenly feels like a gift to spend the time with the dog and just yeah. get to know it and get and you know she gets to wander around the house and see two people always there and i'm sure that's a bit of a bit of an exciting thing <laughs> so that's my litany what do, what about you uh my recommendations in addition to reaching out and supporting any uh 
activist organizations that are out there supporting the protesters right now is two books, one a piece of fiction and one a piece of nonfiction. The piece of fiction is a pre-order, uh, P. Jelly Clark's new book, Ring Shout, out from tour.com publishing. Um, it's basically a supernatural twist on the origins of the Ku Klux Klan, the idea that there's the white racists who are the Klan and the Ku Klux, which are sort of a strange eldritch horror monstrosity. Um, <sighs> it's this idea that the birth of the nation and D.W. Griffiths was like a sorcerer and the movie actually is like a portal for these creatures to come into the world. Whoa. And it's, yeah, it's a, a group of um, black freedom fighters in Macon, Georgia in like 1915, sending these motherfuckers straight to hell. It's uh, horrifying and quite a lot of fun too. The Jelly Clark is doing some amazing things with um, alternate histories. Seems like it might be even slightly satisfying in a time that there aren't a lot of satisfying things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then on the other side, uh, I've talked about this book before, I think a couple of times on the show, but mm -hmm. Dr. Ibram Kendi's How to Be an Anti-Racist. Um, I Years ago, my old boss at the public sent me to an undoing racism workshop that absolutely just like refocused my my way of being in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dr. Kendi's book is just it's it's the best single text for sort of an entry into like, OK, it's not being racist or not racist. It's actually the dichotomy is racism and anti-racism and the ways in which you can make the conscious decision to move in one direction. Um, it's, it's a great guidebook. It's, it's super smooth, fast reading. Uh, he's also a historian. He won the national book award a few years ago for stamped from the beginning, the definitive history of racism in America. Mm -hmm. And as far as it's one of those books that everybody needs to read, it's a guidebook. It should be taught in schools. Yeah. Um, it never I've feels like a history book. It's amazing. I feel like I've been seeing it everywhere um, and I'm glad to have a copy to dive back into. Yeah. Um, and it's so one of those things that you can, you can go back to and go back to and um, it's just very relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there are tons of other books being shared around right now. Uh, and if you have anything that you're excited about, recommend it to us. Yeah. We'd love to, you know, we'd love to get educated. Uh, yep. by the folks that listen to the show also for yourselves because even the people who are out there fighting the hardest and working every day you got to take care of yourself and a great way oh, to yeah. take care of yourself is to read a book yeah you can read a book and uh or you can just keep listening to podcasts it's um, true just you know i i know how comforting voices talking very earnestly in your ear can be <laughs> um and so we are glad to be part of the greek chorus of your lives um indeed oh speaking of i'm looking i'm looking at the clock and realizing we are gonna go hang out with some of our patrons yeah we are we're doing some some happy hour times with um uh, over on uh, zoom for our patrons at any level um and you could join us if you'd like uh, at, at any uh, pledge level. So that's pretty cool. Uh, if you don't want to do that, you could leave us an iTunes review. Those are always helpful. They remain very helpful and they're a fun thing to do with your spare time. It's true. Uh, and you could also 
Just dance. I don't know. Just dance. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's let's dance. Oh boy. Oof. That's a, uh, Johnny Cash. Great. Song. Oh, I got. I gotta go. <laughs> I'm so I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> I gotta go too. We gotta go to our thing. We gotta go to the thing. All right. Okay. Bye. See you later. <laughs>